I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, July 23, 2020. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We've got stuff on the docket. Do we have a change in character in the market? Is there a tech wreck? underway what is that second line on the screen underneath 325.85 these are some of the questions plus a whole lot more that we're going to answer in this episode let's start with the daily chart what hops off the page let's discuss over the last couple of days what's been going on we got above this double top area we closed above there a couple of times now we're coming back in we know that the important area was 325.85 what does that represent it represents the last line of defense right it was this pivot high over here that we said there would be a lot of traders that would be shorting the market up there not expecting them to go fill the gap which was the reason why if they begin closing above they would likely get sucked up to the gap on somewhat of another leg higher slash short squeeze so far closed up there once no dice doesn't mean it's over we've read this book before we've been to the movie we've seen the trailer they go up there they close above once they fake everybody out they come down for a couple of days then they go back in the northern direction let's talk about a couple of things let me qualify and quantify exactly what i'm talking about you have to understand the why behind everything just taking someone's word for it doesn't cut the mustard the market's in an uptrend right now above all the moving averages technically speaking there's nothing wrong with the market just because we didn't get right above the double top and run right up to the gap today doesn't mean the whole party is over it may be over we're going to pick apart a lot of different charts we're going to look at a lot of different things you know we're going to throw the ball around the horn pay attention don't drop the ball the market's been stepping its way up it goes up it pulls back it goes up it pulls back so maybe this is another pullback maybe we're going to get a bigger decline that's where the numbers come in i know below a certain number the market's going to really begin getting into heavy duty trouble what's that number that number is daily closes obviously first hourly closes but daily closes below 319 now you'll say hey wait a minute that's above the moving average that's right hear what i said where the market begins getting into real heavy-duty trouble. Doesn't mean you don't see a rescue operation, but that's the number that I've got my eye on. Here's the weekly chart again. What's the counter-argument to the bull case? Well, obviously, it's the bear case, but we're not here to be Captain Obvious. What we're here to do is look at the charts and say, hey, wait a minute, we know about this spot. It's the same spot from the daily chart, but it's a different look it's really a different type of thing from the weekly chart so the three and a quarter 85 is an enormous breakdown candle high that is the breakdown that was the breakdown before the crash or to start the crash in march late february into march when is that number extremely important it's on the friday close the weekly close so if they close below the number does it mean the market's going to collapse no it doesn't 
It just means that they didn't have enough mustard in the jar to get through the number and close the week above there. Doesn't mean they won't, just means they couldn't yet. Now, if they couldn't and they start selling off, the sell-off can accelerate. That's where the 319 comes in. You see how this all works? You see how it goes together? What else do we have on the docket? Next week, I believe we have Kabuki Theater. That's the Fed meeting that begins on Tuesday, culminates with a Fed announcement on Wednesday, plus some kind of a Kabuki Theater press conference. You know the routine. Is the market going to trade down into the Fed meeting and then pop back up on whatever the Fed says? Possibly. We've seen that. We've read that book before. These are awareness things. You need to have a catalog of awarenesses based on what's happening, based on where we are in time. Time is more important than price, always. Why do I bring that up? A, because it's true, and B, because if you remember from what we started talking about, I think twice already, is we're starting to get into the zone where we're looking for a top. Now, was today the top? Maybe so. I'm not 100% sure, and I'm not ready to say it was a top. Right now, in the S&P 500, it was basically a 1% down day. A little more, but basically a 1% down day. That doesn't mean anything in the big scheme of things. My target, and now I'll tell you what the target is, in case we go back up, you need to be aware of the target. The target in time was at least through the end of July. So in my book, we really have another week where I think we could see some more upside or northern type of price action in the S&P. We have started to see some divergences. We've started to talk about those. Obviously, we're going to discuss the other markets here today as well. But the perfect, and they never really give you the perfect, but you have to prepare. You have to analyze for, and you have to kind of pinpoint what would be the perfect. The perfect would and still would be filling the gap at the end of the month. That's really the perfect scenario. If that happened, in my book, to me, that's a stone-cold short. Where is it wrong? Daily closes above the high. That's it. Are they going to give us the perfect? We don't know. Could this be, right now, just an effort to come back a little bit toward home base in an uptrend? It's entirely possible. Let's switch gears for a second, have a discussion around 322.64. You'll see this show up inside the numbers as support, and then also, by the way, until and unless they can begin closing above this number, closing at least short-term candles to begin with, then there's no dice for the bulls. It's no wonder they closed in and around and traded a good part of the afternoon in and around 322.64. We know our numbers. Now, my number is 322.64. Maybe it's 322.70. Maybe it's 322.57. Either way, it's in and around that area. For me, I have to pick a number and go. Let me show you something. You want to see exactly where that comes from? Or at least one of the places it comes from? Is this a breakout area? How do we define an area like this? Well, we do this all the time. Let's do it again because it's worth repeating because it's important. So the market runs up to a spot. Whatever that spot is, the market's going to tell you what that spot is after the fact. Here's the spot, runs up there, pulls back. That's when you know it's a spot because of the pullback. So it ran up there and pulled back, rejected. The market is telling you that spot's important. It's tough to get through. So the market gaps up over here and it tries to get through again and it can't. 
So finally, it breaks over that spot. We've done this before, but it's worth doing it again. Runs back down to the same spot. What is that? It's a former breakout area. Guess what? That's the reason the market hung around there towards the end of the day. It's not necessarily telling you one way or the other if it's going to be support and go back up or just a temporary way station or what. It's a destination, but did they hang out for a cup of coffee or are they going to turn back and go in the other direction? Now, here's the deal. You run out of time at the end of the day. It's a spot off of a bigger time frame. It's not a five-minute chart, right? So I can find a big breakdown candle on a 120-minute chart, a 240 chart. So we know that it may take some time for the ship to turn back up in the other direction. So when we find the market gets stuck at a spot and the spot comes from a more dominant or larger chart, larger time frame, we're not surprised that the market gets stuck or hangs out for a cup of coffee for a while before making the decision to either continue in the southern direction in this case or turn around and go back in the northern direction. Inside the numbers, I gave you something pretty good just then so you can indulge me now. What we'll do is we'll run up the commentary, then we'll take a look at stocks on the move, we'll review everything, and we'll note a couple of important things along the way. So right along the way is the market was up early. The market looked like it wanted to continue higher. The pre-market was up. It started to fade away. And so we have to separate the first part of the day from the last part of the day because the middle part of the day is when things changed. Let's take note of some stuff. Opening the day above a certain price would have been good for the bulls. They didn't do that. These are things you need to know when you show up in uniform ready to go. But let's take note of these numbers also. Opening below, and that's 32.67, in early morning, a lot of times I have to talk about the ES because you have overnight and pre-market activity and it's easier and from where I sit, the right thing to do to use the ES numbers. They seem to work, at least from my experience. So 32.56 and 32.47 were important numbers we needed to know right out of the chute. This is before the opening bell. Today we'll switch it up a little bit. We'll look at the ES and traders know that I've got to use the ES early in the morning and those are the numbers posted on the board first thing in the morning most days because if there's a lot of pre-market activity, after-market activity, overnight activity, we've got to use the overnight activity to draw a conclusion of what's the likely scenario for the market when it opens during the morning rush. You saw a couple of numbers on the board. 32.56, 32.47. So let's focus up on top. The market opens above the support area cited, but below the important number you cited, 32.67. So we're zeroed in on the market falling, if it falls, 32.56 to be some support. Nice bounce of 32.56. Now you'll see later in the day, the 32.47 worked for a minute, but then they cut through it. That's not valid anymore. We were focused on the SPY at the time, and you'll see, you have to just recall that closing below the important number, certainly on an hourly basis, SPY three and a quarter eighty-five. that was the real important thing that happened. Remember, we're splitting up the day between what happened early in the morning, which was somewhat bullish, and what happened later in the day, which was not. Moving right along. So here they begin playing with 325.85. They make a low of 325.89. Here it is on the SPY chart just to get the visual. 
Now, this is an interesting one. Check out the 1021 post. The next support is as high as 325.30 and as low as 324.73. When I do that, I do that because I can make a case either way that they could stop at three and a quarter thirty and also spike through and still stop at the number about 50 cents lower. So it becomes a zone. Back to the SPY, just to put in perspective what we're talking about, you get the visual. The blue lines are those numbers. It's that zone. Nice tail candle right underneath that zone. What was that number? What was a gap? You don't always know in real time where the numbers are coming from, but there's always a method to the madness. I'm always going to be able to explain where a number comes from to myself. I'm not going to always explain it to you. But the numbers, like the stops on stocks on the move, all that stuff, nothing is ever arbitrary. Let's continue on. I'll scroll up. You can read the rest of the notes. What you'll also find is Murphy's Law took hold today. Before I get into that, you'll notice that when we're in a range, we say we're in a range. Here's the range. Below, this happens. Above, this happens. It's the tour guide. It's important stuff to know. You don't know at some time during the day, all of a sudden, the market's going to fall out of bed. But if the market's below a certain number, like 325.85, and it closed an hour below that number, look, here's another visual. Here's the hourly close at 12.30 p.m., closing at 325.75, 10 cents below. Here's a five-minute chart. This is that span of time. Here is 12.05 all the way to 12.35, and you can see what was going on. So if you're watching the tape and you see them fighting and they choose not to close above a number, it's not going to always work, but it's something else in your tool belt. Something else most other people just don't have. And look here, they come to run a back test and then fall away. That number is important, was important, was the pivot. Moving right along. So what you'll see here is in the Murphy's Law category, I had to step away. So I was actually away from the screens when all the fun stuff began to happen. It was around lunchtime. Lunchtime is when I get a chance to do some stuff. And once in a while, like today, stuff happens during lunchtime. The majority of the time, the 80-20 rule, the duck is generally speaking, nothing happens over lunch. But when I step away, something happens over lunch. So when you come back and you notice things are happening, you get a little discombobulated. What about stocks on the move? Let's check out what happened. We had a bunch that hit their numbers, mainly because volatility came back to the market, so it jolted some stocks. Would have been nice to happen in the pre-market. We would have had a nice laundry list of stuff. But we had what we had. AG, Microsoft, KMI, PHM, QFIN. We're going to look at the charts of all of these. There's a hidden shitburger in there, but there's also some oh-by-the-ways in there. AG, first one on the board. Two numbers on the board, bright and early, 1321-1293. Relatively close together, it's a zone. Come into the first number, halfway to the second, turn around, run back in the other direction. Classification, base hit. No magic. In terms of day trade, painting by the numbers, it's a low price stock, so you're not looking for a huge move. For example, we use that 1% thing, so 1% of $13 and change isn't a whole lot. Guess what? Gave more than that, so there. 
something like a 2% pop over here, up to a high of 13.56. A little bit more, not bad. We like base hits. Base hits put traders in the Hall of Fame when they're consistent and they lose small and fast when they have to lose. Base hits put traders in the Hall of Fame. Microsoft wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And then when the melee started midday, it happened. Comes into the number. I think this candle missed by a smidgen. The low was 204.51. Then it comes in, then it bounces. So here's the deal. The takeaway is the numbers work. The bounce wasn't tremendous. It was a base hit. Why? The market was getting hit. If the market was rallying at the same time Microsoft came into the number and everything turned around together, you would have got a nice big rally. But we know it's all the same market. So if the S&P and the NASDAQ and everything else is getting hit, it's going to drag down the stocks as well or vice versa. Either way, it's the chicken or the egg. Depends on how you want to look at it. The high over here was 206.30. Couple of bucks, not bad. What's that? About 1%. Nothing is arbitrary. Then what happened? The second number on the board, 202.70 comes into play. What happened after that? Get a bounce back up to 204. Not great. Maybe it was a bunt for base hit. But nevertheless, the takeaway is the numbers work. The market was weak. This looks exactly like the S&P chart into the end of the day. Just in a chop shop formation going back and forth. You need a little help from the market to get a little love when you're in these stocks. Not all the time, but it certainly does help the cause. KMI went a little bit below, down to about 14, turned around, went back in the other direction. Not what we're looking for, but net-net, still a base hit. Not a triple, not a double, not a home run. It's another base hit. Nothing to be ashamed of at a winner. How about Pulte Group? Short trade on the board. The zone, 42.96 up to 43.67, went a few pennies higher. The rest is on the wall. You can see the writing on the wall. The stop was 44.50, pretty tight, never got there, never got to 44. That's a good trade right there. QFIN, also known, or AKA, the shitburger. You know what happened here? The number was wrong. My numbers were wrong. We know the routine, it's going to happen, not every trade is going to work out. It's the nature of how it goes. A, in this business, you're as good as your last trade. And way more people want to hammer you for the bad trade than want to praise the good trades. We're in a big boy business. It's an adult business. I'm an adult and I can take the heat. Did I eat a shit burger on this trade today? You better believe it. Did I miss the Microsoft trade because I was away? You better believe it. The numbers still worked. On Microsoft, that is, not this piece of shit. Moving back over to the SPY, there's one more thing that I want to point out before we move on to the other markets. So this is a 240-minute chart. I want to bring your attention to the same area we talked about before, but for a different reason. This is the breakdown candle high. Happens to be 322.71. It's not the reason for the 264, meaning the 32264. It's not the only reason. It's one of the reasons. But here's what we'll say. Getting back below and beginning to close candles, the 120 chart has the same thing going on. Beginning to close candles back in there, I classify this as a recapture. That's bearish on its face. They work hard to get above. Coming back below and recapturing is a bearish thingamajig. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Flat today, up 19 cents. That's a rounding error. It's flat. 
So are we looking for real trouble out there, or was today a little bit of a shakeout across the S&P? Cues as well, we'll get to that later. It's interesting, it's obviously a puzzle piece, it has to be on the table. The story hasn't changed for the IWM, it's the same thing we talked about yesterday, the day before, the day before that, and so on. So what do we do with that information? We log it, it's a puzzle piece, we move on. But the transports, similar routine. More of a rounding error, down a third of a percent when everything was getting hit. You would have thought, or you would think, seeing the S&P and the Dow and the Qs, you would think the transports got absolutely walloped. Could have been, should have been one of those woodshed days, but it wasn't. So what do we say about the IWM and the transports? IWM, my favorite market-leading indicator. Transports, A number two. Transports, favorite canary in the coal mine. So above all the moving averages, technically speaking, we're in the same routine, same spot we were yesterday, the day before, the day before that. No change. What do we do with that information? You guessed it. We move on. But yeah, it's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Hammer time. The cues got walloped, whacked, taken behind the woodshed, shot three times, and smoked. What did they do? Came back to home base. How you doing? Anything wrong with this tape just yet? Not so much. What happens if they break below, start closing hourly below, daily below the 20 period moving average? Trouble in the making. What's the next spot? Let's have that former breakout area discussion. That's the zone. It's a little wide, but that's the zone. What does logic say is the number? Right around 247. The hammer into the ground number, and this is sooner than later, right? This is if the market falls, falls hard, and falls over the next few days, The hammer time number below 247 is in that 242 to 243 zone. What if it never gets below, closes hourly or daily below home base or the 20 period moving average? Then the uptrend is still intact and that's it. That's the end of it. How about another puzzle piece for you? Is the market going to get very far without participation from the financials? And the short answer is no. And the longer answer is hell no. Now, If the market turns around tomorrow, meaning the financials turn around tomorrow, get hammered, everything's going down, then there you have it. But on its face, at face value, you have to take this for what it's worth. It becomes a puzzle piece, flat rather than down. The financials, no problem. Doesn't this chart look like the IWM? Doesn't it look similar to the transports in terms of it's still just going sideways, eating time off the clock? Why not go down with everything else today? Good question. Puzzle piece on the table. And it's not lost on me. My voice is cracking tonight. Cup of lemon tea on the docket. Smash Mouth got whacked along with the cues. Not as bad as the cues, but certainly got whacked. But guess what? Again, it's still in an uptrend. You're not even at home base yet. You look at a five-minute chart, it's a sleigh ride. You look at an hourly chart, it's a pretty ugly day. You look at a daily chart, And it's a pullback in an uptrend. It all is a matter of what time frame and your perspective is. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True, accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. 
subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis. Thank you.